0: I'm like, nope, I take my boat out on the water and I eat bagels for breakfast. <laughs>
1: <sighs> yeah, not bad. Thank God. Sean, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, Chris, are, are, are you recording already? Yeah, we're going. Uh, oh, oh, uh, I, let's, yeah, let's get started then. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, so now we are doing season three of the tricking seasons.
2: Yeah, so uh, if you are tuning in and listen to the last ones or you didn't, the last episode we did the build season. Uh, Really the main focus of that in summary is just focusing on getting a little bit more food, building muscle, and maintaining the level of tricking that you're at. Um, With Again, just some basic tricks, starting to push it a little bit more. Um, and then yeah and then after a good season of building we are now going into the prepare season
0: all right so in the prepare season we kind of touched on it before but just uh you're pretty much getting ready for the competition that's why it's called prepare season So so what are what are we doing here that is different than being ready to compete
2: yeah so This again, like the word says, preparing is this is now when we're getting ready to push ourselves and whatever that looks like. So again, it could be that you're competing in a gathering or you're hosting a gathering, or again, this is just the time of the year. So like, I look at this as like when I tricked in high school, my competing season was probably summer. Like school was out. I could session a lot more often. I had a lot less competing priorities, so I could push tricks a lot more. It's also just the season where you're again, you're getting ready to push tricks really, really hard. So right. That, example, that That's like, kind
0: of what I was thinking of too, where like a competition is really like, it could just be you pushing to that next level. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. So if I use that example of like, say the three months of summer are when I love like to trick the most and, and I that's when I can push myself, then the three months prior to that are going to be my prepare season. So nutritionally in this, It actually is pretty easy. So if you've been following along with the recovery and build track, if you did the recovery season, you already worked on food, you already got the habits down around food, build season, we increased calories a little bit. Now in the prepare season, this is where I'm just maintaining or cutting if necessary. So if you were just a responder to a bulk where you gained a little bit of like body fat, this would be the time where you could drop calories by two to 300 calories uh work on trying to just shed off a little bit of body fat or you could just be at a happy amount and just maintain the amount you're eating because we're going to be doing a little bit more tricking now in this season so there's going to be a little bit more activity so we're going to be burning a little bit extra calories just from movement so we don't want to push our calories down too low to cut because we don't want to end up losing some of that muscle we spent building right you'll
0: already be at a calorie deficit because you're tricking instead of lifting
2: yeah so so in terms of like the tricking and lifting, the ratio now is lifting's going to go about two to three days a week now, uh, tops. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing now is we're transferring the focus of muscle building to power development. So we build this new muscle and I, I don't know if you've had this happen to you, Chris, cause I know you said you did like a big weight change in terms of muscle loss, but yeah. if you lose a lot of muscle or you gain a lot of muscle or your weight changes a lot as a tricker your timers for things change quite a bit like yeah. how you how you twist how you flip especially flipping i've noticed is like a big difference with weight like how much you have to focus on you know when you're doing like a cart dub or a cart triple fold, it's like how much do you have to think about flipping your cart wheel before ripping twist versus not and that's going to be i think that has a big uh say in how much you weigh and how strong you are as well so the focus for the training is going to be power development. We're using this new muscle we got and learning and telling our body to now to use that explosively. So now this is like you think of some of like the explosive type things you see in the gym, where maybe people are doing like box jumps or doing like sled pushes and sled pulls, where it's maximal effort um, with that new muscle now, and that's about two to three days a week, and tricking is going to go up now. We're sessioning probably three to four days a week at this time. Okay, now, so
0: I misunderstood that. So so the, so the in the workout style, now we're doing explosive workouts. Gotcha. Okay, okay.
2: Yeah, and a lot of it too is it's not super, it's not all plyometrics within, within the workout, because again, we don't need to double dip our plyometrics. We're going to start tricking more, so we don't necessarily need to start doing tons of jumping and explosive type things on our joints in the gym. I really, really like if there is one explosive exercise I love more than anything for trickers, and this is even for the normal person is, is sled pushes and sled pulls because if you're familiar with working out, there's an eccentric portion of a movement and a concentric portion of a movement. We all know what a pull up looks like in our head. When you pull up on a bar, that would be the concentric portion. You're using the muscle to move your body. The eccentric portion, you're controlling your body down. You're using the same muscles you did to pull yourself up, but it's just controlling, your down, controlling on the way down. That controlling on the way down is the most taxing on the body. That's where the most muscle fibers are torn. And again, this is why tricking can be hard on the body. When we land a trick, we're using all these muscles in our body to slow ourselves or to absorb impact and take off again. So we're using a lot of eccentric muscles and that's why it can be pretty damaging. So the sled in a gym is all concentric. It's pushing. Hey,
1: if you enjoy our content and you want to show some support, make sure you follow us on Spotify and Instagram. Our Instagram tag is the underscore flip underscore side underscore podcast. Just Make sure to go on there. Just shout out like old episodes that you liked, anything about the new episodes. You can comment on any of them. We would really appreciate it. And if you do end up wanting to go a step further, just become a supporter. All you have to do is follow the link in the description in any of our episodes that we've published. And you can also go under the about section in our Spotify homepage.
0: You can do as little as 99 cents a month. Any amount that you guys support us is going to help us build a better podcast and help build better triggers around the world.
2: And no pull for the muscle. So it's really restorative on the tissue. It's not super hard on the joints. And we get to work that power aspect of it. That is
0: very, very cool. I never even thought of that. So there's, so that way it allows you to do all the the negative aspects in tricking without having to do that to yourself in the yeah. gym. Probably one very of the things cool.
2: I would say like the key thing in the prepare phase is going to be finding some way to do a sled type motion. Um, whether it's in a gym and it's like a sled, you can actually move if you if you train at or go to like a higher end gym like a lifetime or other ones they'll have what's called like sled mills and it's actually a treadmill that you can turn on internal resistance and push like a treadmill or push like a sled that was what i had it, at my gym and it was super super successful you could control the weight all the way up to like 400 pounds wow oh, wow and you, could, uh, you could do a lot of work with that That
0: is super cool. And so in the, now in this training phase, we're doing the explosive workouts. We're focusing on sled. How much of that is going to be mobility training or any type of rehab or stretching? Are we still doing that along with that? Or are we just going to hope that it uh, maintains through the activities that we're doing because we've established the base?
2: Yeah. So we're going to carry over a lot of the habits we built during the build phase of working a lot of loaded mobility. So, I didn't mention it actually too much in the bill, but mobility as a whole outside of the recovery phase is going to use a lot of weights. We're working on weighted mobility. As you said in the last episode, Chris, like your, your adductor injury, um, Yeah, that was like, you may have had like, it had be an example of like, you had the flexibility maybe, but it's very often we're not working. Like, can you do splits, but can you do the splits while holding X amount of weight? So now it's like, is that muscle strong in the stretched position? Right, like where they
0: do the slide up,
2: yeah, <laughs> that kind of deal. Right, so there's a, or like there's a lot of there's a lot of loaded mobility still in the prepare phase. So it's kind of like you think like two parts. It's going to be power development um, for the lower and upper body, and then it's still a lot of loaded mobility on those two to three sessions a week.
0: So in a mobility type exercise, you're obviously going to have a lower weight. So, I tell me if I'm wrong. The way that I do it is that, for example, say we're working chest and we're going to do uh, we're going to do a bench press. I'm gonna have a lower weight, say I've got 50 pounds in each hand. I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna let it go as low as it goes, but I'm still gonna be engaged and then put it back up versus if I'm gonna train chest and work on actually tiring it out, I'm not gonna go that low because now the weight is no longer being held in my chest. Is that correct?
2: So I think yes and no. So again, my style of training is gonna be, you're always training in that stretch position, even in the muscle building phase. Okay. It's gonna probably change more like the sets and reps. So like a really strong build phase for, uh, explosive endurance, like a tricker would be is like a 10 by 10. So it's 10 sets of 10, um, where you're doing that. like you pick a weight that you can do all sets of 10 with Okay. and say that's fifties, you can do all sets of that in the prepare phase. You might be reducing that sets and reps a little bit, but you're still probably using as much weight as you can. And I think that's where some of like the misinformation with mobility is is I would say like, no matter what the phase is, I'm always lifting as much weight as I possibly can, even in a mobility session. Um, There's a exercise I really like. It's a, it's a knees over toes guy staple. It's his H E G split squat. You can just YouTube that even, but it's basically a lunge where you're traveling forward rather than down and your the back leg is almost doing like a front split type amount of mobility. And that's really what you're training with that quite a bit as well as the stuff in the front leg. And the goal with that is to get up to like half your body weight and total load in a lunge and being able to comfortably handle that stretch. Um, so even in the mobility, I would say like, I would never lower the mobility because now I'm lowering my body's strength in that stretch position.
0: That And that makes a lot of sense for tricking specifically because what is the purpose? Like obviously we have body positions where we are stronger in, but what is the point of reducing our mobility and gaining strength in the less mobility if it's not going to help us in full mobility? It makes sense in other sports like weightlifting, but if you're doing tricking, then
2: you're doing tricking. So Yeah. So that's hmm. like So the would thing. you, say, oh, oh, so no, would
1: you say like when you're going through those stretch positions? and you're just like lacking that strength, you would usually feel it or would you be able to tell like, like for example, if it's a core strength issue where you're not used to that range of movement and then the load that comes along with it, would there be an easier way to go about it? Like, let's say you don't have weight, what would be a better way of, like weights I should say, what would be a good way of going about training that range of movement with a higher load?
2: Um. So, coming through the recovery to build all the way up to this phase i would say that uh the like the sets and rep structure that i use a lot of the time is like if you can't complete a certain amount of sets and reps then you have to reduce the load and then once you can complete said prescription then you move up the weight and that's the self-limiting kind of thing that applies to everything so like say uh there's a core exercise that really lengthens the side body the obliques the the low back area and say it's like to throughout the seasons we do three rounds of 15. um i would keep doing i would start with the maximal range with as little weight as i need to complete the maximal range without any like pain discomfort okay and then once i can do the three sets of 15 then I go from zero weight to maybe a five pound weight and then vice versa i keep building up until i can always do that full range of motion the full range of motion is the most important part and a lot of people might have to even regress the exercise to where maybe they can't even do the full range of motion with no weight but they have to make the range of motion easier somehow by maybe changing the angle that gravity is acting on the body different things like that or using resistance bands or anything yeah or using resistance bands to help like pull have support into that range of motion okay very cool all
0: right well let's jump back into more of the prepare stuff i want to trick talk on the tricking side is crashing part of your program or do you want to use equipment or what is your philosophy on
2: that so it's also personal preference so like i really like how i phrase how the prepare phrase should like work in this size is that like using that number scale we talked about this is now going all the way up to like maybe an eight out of ten in terms of what year so we're on like think of this as like the brink of working moves that you're wanting to work on so say you can't triple cork maybe now you're starting to do like double cork variations or double cork uh hypers or like you're working like double cork timers and maybe you're maybe at this point you are trying one or two of those big tricks um i would say at this point like if you're throwing tricks that you feel like you're gonna crash it would still be controlling the the how you're doing it to make sure it's as safe as possible um but i still like maybe not crashing as much at this point but going more into the side of like working specifically the set of skills you need to do whatever it is you're trying to get like say you are using the triple cork example say in the prepare phase now, I'm working on double corking really, really regularly. I'm working on my setup that I'm going to use for my triple cork. Maybe I'm doing triple cork timers on like a trampoline or like a tumble track or an air track, Um, different things like that. I would say it's now it's a little bit more specified with how you want to push your body with tricking.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. My biggest concern is that at this point now it's been six months. Since I've hit my biggest trick. So um, I suppose we could be using things like the trampoline still, because even like a nine or 10 level skill trick is, you know, in the threes at on, when you're on a trampoline, like you could do a cork in or a triple cork on a trampoline, even in the very first season when you're just in your cooldown set, you know? Yeah. Is that, is that what you're thinking? That's the idea behind
2: yeah that would be the idea and like big trick wise too like i would say like the nine or ten category is nine the nine or ten would be tricks that you've maybe done in the past right but very rarely can land like maybe your land rate is like one in five yeah or one in six so it's like that nine or ten is really like skills you've kind of been working on like are big tricks that you've crashed or maybe injured yourself on or is even like tricks that you don't even have yet that you're like, this is the next thing I want. And that's maybe in that nine to 10 area.
0: Yeah. So it's like the hard part about this is that confidence is a huge part of tricking. And I feel like with this, it's like a slow gradual thing. Obviously you're building confidence as you go, um, but it seems like a long time to be like putting a leash on yourself. And I feel like that's what a lot of trickers are going to say about this. It's just that they want to push themselves constantly. And like, what if you just feel good that day? You know, like when do you get to like, is there a time you get to break this or is it you need to be strict? Is that your thought?
2: I think it can be. I think and it's hard to like graphically represent this or like be able to like word it in a book in a certain way. But like I would say even in the build phase, like maybe definitely not in the recover phase. Like if there's one phase where you're like you're holding yourself by the leash, you're not pushing heavy stuff. That's for sure in the recover phase, that first three months. But in the build and prepare phase, I would say, like, you know, if you're throwing a trick that you really, like, you feel good, you want to try it, like, you know, the frequency as it gets closer to the perform season is going to increase. So maybe it's, like, you throw it, like, once a month, and then maybe it's two times a month, and then it's three times a month, and then now you're working on it maybe every session when it comes to that perform season. It still has a lot of flexibility. It's that, like you said, like, trickers are going to, like, not like that in terms of like the limits on that. But it's like, again, like knowing the mindset and habits of trickers, it's like, it's super hard. Like even people that have been in it a while, like when we're at a session, we feel good, we try a trick. It's like the closer we get to a trick, the more we're gonna think about wanting to do it the next session and then the next session. And again, I don't think that's the problem. And like, there's trickers out there that have probably been not doing this, that have been doing like a perform season all
0: the Yeah. Um so if they're doing the something else that's kind of scary too is like so if they've got the leash on them and they what if they end up doing the prepare season for too long or what if they end up doing the bulk season for too long? That could just be a by choice on purpose, or they could get confused. Um this kind of also goes into another question I have is like what if what if your skill level is actually increasing? To the point where now you don't know what skills fall under which number category.
2: Yeah, so that would be like, again, like there has to be some metric that you tell yourself of like what sets your tricking difficulty. Like, is it how often you can land it? Is it how the trick makes you? Because, like you said, like maybe this is different for someone who's been in the game a while, who has like a large arsenal of tricks, you can kind of like divvy up their tricks into like what season they do them in. Um, And I feel like it's almost easier because. Like if you've been tricking 10 plus years, like there there tends to be like tricks that you did that you haven't done for like two years because you forgot about. So right. like there's like so much to go back and work on where I feel like it's more easy maybe for an advanced tricker, but like a brand new tricker who's like learning new things as they go. Right, I exactly. Would, I would still maybe even like hold it to like what that, what that trick would be categorized as, as like a beginner move or a novice move. Cause it's like, do I think a novice tricker who would like can't even do like a scoop gainer or like can't even do like setups yet? It's like, I don't think they could, they would really matter where they're at in this in terms of their skill progression with tricking. Like they could just go all in with the skill and just focus on the nutrition and training side of it to supplement that learning.
0: That's true. You can do both simultaneously because the even though it is difficult, it's actually more of a mental game when you're in like you know, even in the beginner stage and even in just past that, it's still not that taxing on your body if you don't have the full grasp of what tricks actually are.
2: And I think at a young age too, it's a little bit different. Like I definitely like the type of person I'm trying to help with this is really like the aging an adult trigger. Like where we're in college, exiting college, we're an adult. We're trying to figure out how to trick for the long-term. I think with the youth nowadays, especially like there's so much like that's different than when i started tricking where it's like there's these big community hubs that are like there's kids that are like in there like 10 11 12 who are already doing like triple foals and like all this other stuff and i think that's a testament to like having the more advanced trickers like bend through the ringer of like throwing and crashing stuff where it's like now there's this system of like do this thing first like have this timer first like feel comfortable like this and you have insight going into the next generation where it's like crashing happens a lot less often yeah and there's even better technology and setups now where it's like oh like this is how you set up to train this trick safely now so I think it's a lot different now and I think for the younger generation that has that coaching environment it can be a little bit more flexible as they're learning tricking Um, and the same thing too with the training side of it I would say like I wouldn't even focus on the training and nutrition side of it until you're like maybe a senior in high school, college level, because if you're younger than that, like your ability to build muscle isn't going to be there just hormonally. So you're going to be far better off spending the time cross training, like working on technique, like just training, tricking for fun at that point if you're like a younger kid
0: yeah that makes sense and that's something that we can't forget either we're doing this because it's fun (laughs) don't take that out of it to make it a chore um yeah no that's super legit uh sean did you have anything you wanted to throw in there
2: um
1: with frequency and words that was interesting with the increase in frequency and training your skills and actually getting ready to do those high level skills would you still recommend because we're still trying to avoid crashing at least a little bit but when you're throwing those skills trying to do it in more of a safe environment like potentially like throwing out a mat or would you just say if you're feeling good try it on the floor and just kind of feel it out and just make sure that you don't get like super hurt or like what would you probably go about with that portion of
2: yeah that? I, I would say just feeling comfortable and i would say there's some professional trickers that come from that camp where like there's people out there that say you should probably never be crashing. Like if you're crashing, if you're crashing a move, it might be because you didn't prep enough and you're in a rush. So it's like, I think there's a, there's like a middle ground. There's like, cause even crashing can be on a spectrum. Like, is it a haphazard attempt where you're just kind of like going for it? Or it's like, do you even have like the air awareness and body control to (laughs) know where you're at in the trick to be able to like crash safely? Like, Crashing in itself is a skill of like being able to know you're not going to land a trick and like control the landing even if you're it's not going to be on your feet. Um, So I think that would be the level. Like crashing at this point would be okay if you're you're at the point where you're still working tricks where you have that air awareness. Yeah, so it's not
1: like a guy that's learning backflip just all of a sudden it's like oh i'm gonna just try double back it's like you should not do that and if you crash during that you're not gonna know what to do you need to learn how to fall yeah no slams
2: (laughs) And it's also like again like i i put some action steps that i can talk about when we get to the very end that i think will help with some of the mindset side of things with some of this stuff i just it's probably better to just recap it at the end um, but yeah, that's the prepare phase. So maintenance calories, doing a small cut if you need to, focusing on power, um, training two to three times a week, and then now increasing the sessions to three to four times a week. You're working those harder skills now. You can crash, but still have that air awareness. Um, but frequency intensity of tricking is now gonna go above what training is and training gonna go down for this prepare season. Awesome, so, and then what's the final season called? So the final season is called perform. Um, So this is going to be your, you know, the one gathering of the year that, you know, you want to go to and kill at. like maybe you're battling for the first time or you're, you're getting ready to shoot like a yearly sampler where you're going to, you want all these hard tricks landed. Like you have a goal list in mind. You're working towards these goals. Um, This would be the perform season, this three month season of the year where your, your goal is to push tricks, increase your ceiling now of tricks and really focus on that. So nutritionally, at this point, what comes to be the most important is just fueling for performance. Now that the intensity is up there really high, we just really all we're watching is just total calories and making sure we're not dipping too low with how much we're training. So this is really focusing on carb intake. Um, Carbs for performance are going to be key. Um, We want to just make sure that that's in place every day and is in there post and pre-session.
0: That makes sense. So um and then how long are these sessions or is that totally up to the individual? At this so this is
2: up to the individual at this point with how hard they're pushing and training. It's really just subject to like again, if, if you were gonna push hard for a season of the year, this is when you're doing it. Like you're at a session, you're you're grinding sing dub out of a new setup and you're like you're just like going after it for like an hour and a half, two hours. Like I'm sure we've all been there. Like I can look back to the very first time I did like J step cork swing dub. And I probably crashed that like 30 times over an hour and a half. And then like that timing just clicks and then you just stomp it. And it's like, sometimes you need to push through, push through that to get that timing down. And this is that time to do that.
0: Yeah. Oh, good times. Good times. So, <laughs> um, what about, uh, injuries? So if you are in any of these phases and you get an injury, whether it's small as a sprain or, uh, maybe it's a broken wrist or something like that, do you have to start from the beginning or is that just, you kind of, once it's healed, you can kind of jump in where you feel like you were?
2: So like a severe injury definitely is going to okay. set you back. I think, cause again, like if you, and this is the thing, like with tricking it, I had to learn this, um, early on too is like we'd still do a sport that has inherent risk like to believe that you'll train your body and train efficiently to never have risk is it's not realistic like you could do all the right things in the world and there could be a dead spot in the floor that you roll your ankle and you tear everything in your ankle and that's like completely out of your control and like that just happens and like you have to you would start from the prep phase And again, I think that this is good to learn because if you do have a serious injury, it's like now you have a game plan. Like, I think it's really daunting when it's someone's first injury and they're like – I know some people that like a good amount of people have their first big injury and then they're just done. They're like, I don't even want to trick again. Like I don't want to have to go through all of this relearning and getting new tricks and – the fear of like not being where you were at before or not being able to get back, like it's tough. And like going through this also teaches you how to do that. Cause again, I think that's a normal part of life. Like you're going to get aches, pains, and injuries sometimes. So it's better to have the tool set to get out of it.
0: Right. No, I definitely agree with that. And then, um, is there any way you can, what about like performing multiple times a year? Do you, if you're in the other phases, you're just performing at a lower level, say you're going to a gathering.
2: Yeah, I would say it's a lower level. And again, like I think performing wise at a gathering, it's like gatherings are doing really well now where it's like it is super community oriented. There's like seminars going on. You're meeting people and like seeing friends you haven't seen in a while. Like it is a lot more about the fun of tricking. Yeah. And that's where it's like the fun of tricking is is like if you've been in it a while, I think you get to a point where it's like if you are always fueled by landing new things, I don't think you're going to be tricking for the long term anyway. Right. Because again, aches, pains happen, like seasons of life happen where it's like the fun of tricking. It's like, if you're just in it to trick and whatever that means, then, then I think you'll be in it for a while. And I think it's good to have that mindset when you're going to events over the year where maybe you're at a different season, like you're in the build phase, the prepare phase. It's like, you can still trick, you can still do moves that are easy for you, which again is subject to how good you are. Um, and that's kind of how I would treat that.
0: Totally. And, uh, what about, what about other things? So like, it's one thing to increase your ceiling of tricks versus your base of tricks, but there are gray areas. So is that purely experimental? You just go, how does my body handle, say like mega stance? It's really hard on for me. That's hard on my right ankle. Is that something that I avoid until performing time? Or is that something that I work on because it's not a high level skill?
2: Yeah, so that's where there is that gray area of, like, there's, you could say there's, like, power-based skills and, like, tech-based skills. Like, yeah. being able to just raw do a triple cork versus, like, being able to, like, combo carry-throughs regularly. It's like right. That's a good example where I think that could be done even in the, the build phase where it's, like, it maybe it may even all the way back to the recover phase where you're working, like, you know, maybe you're working mega in, like, a very basic move and working on basic transitions using mega in the build phase you're working slightly more difficult tricks in mega in the prepare phase now you're like really trying to expand new tricks from mega and then perform you're like trying to hit mega out of like hard tricks you're trying to do new combos with it that would be like an example i think for like a tech-based skill like that
0: that's a really good way to break it down because yeah you can hit all the stances from a scoot you don't have to do it from double (laughs) Core. so totally totally makes sense uh um,
2: like for the book i was even like trying to play with even a fourth category but i think it still falls into tricking as i think another really good thing trickers can do from like a seasonal approach is start to look at skills like they want to get over the course of a year right so it's like yeah. you know it's like january 1st like it's the i'm gonna write down my resolutions i'm gonna get dub dub this year i'm gonna do triple cork swing or all these different things and using this framework of the four seasons to also like map out your journey to that new trick in as efficient way as possible where it's like you're spending three months you doing like the base stuff for a new trick and then the next level then the next level and now you're ready to do that trick i think can also lead to people getting new skills um and especially those harder high ceiling skills a lot more efficiently and without as much risk
0: Yeah. And I think increasing that base is super important too because, and then that's exactly how I did it when I first started. Once I understood how combos combos were built, I wasn't just worried about the singular tricks. I was like, okay, let me build like five dream combos that I can't hit now, probably won't hit at the end of the year. So what I did is I made these dream combos all the way out to like, okay, maybe that's the end of my tricking career, but by the end I want these. And then I was like, okay, in now based on how far i've gotten now what does a dumbed down version of that combo look like that i can hit and i'd hit that and then next year i'd be like okay let's advance that combo so that i can get to that dream combo in the very very long run so yeah.
2: so having that kind of mindset and applying it within this also helps you get through those seasons and it not just feel like oh like i'm not in the perform season i can't trade as hard as i want like ah, oh, this is like not fun whereas like if you dumb down and work on those different skill levels, or maybe you're a new tricker. So you're you're doing that with a more advanced tricker. I think to like younger trickers, talking to someone that's been in it for a long time and knowing the process of like, this is what I want. So how do I break it down? Or like, how do I work on all these moves? I think that's a really smart approach alongside something like this. Yeah,
0: no, that's super intuitive. And I think, I think everyone can benefit from this. How does this relate to gymnastics seasons? what do you guys have going on
1: i mean it's kind of weird because summer is really the time where we're doing a lot of building and preparing it depends on the season though because uh certain levels compete during september to december other levels compete january to may so they kind of get this weird little flip-flop because usually they're going to always be stressed because of school so that's kind of the hard part about doing any of these seasons sometimes oh I'm learning the hard way again but (laughs) uh, I mean how do I put it working on pushing them and giving them the right tools from the beginning is kind of the hard part because they're the younger generation so you so me I guess and like any other coaches like having experience with it wants to give them the building blocks and give them essentially like how these seasons work and kind of just instill it in them. So they just, they don't 100% always know if you don't explain it to them, like how it's working and like what, how you're thinking and how the process works, but it's just naturally designed that way and naturally actually progressing that way. Because I will look sometimes two to three years in advance of like, okay, I want them to work towards the skill because I think that they have the potential to get here. So like, one of the first big skills is, like, doing soups which is uh, round off onto the table, and then you push off your hands and you do backflip off the table to your feet. So it's one of the first, like, higher-level skills to, like, break into, like, really big stuff. And that takes a lot of prep work. It's not like I can just do that in three months if they're just – if they've never done gymnastics before. Like, that's not usually how it works unless you're a weird enigma. But right. I really like to take that time and like do all the prep work and like really give them the time to hone in the different parts of things. So it's using these four seasons, like, and I'm trying to think of like how I want to actually start breaking it down so I can actually. Yeah. So,
0: well, like you think it's pretty different than how you're doing it right now. I think from what I've talked to you, it's almost like you guys are trying to simultaneously almost do all of them at once where it's like, it's like you do all four seasons in a month's time and you're just, you keep on doing that.
2: Um, yeah. and that's a common approach I see. Like, I think like, I don't know his full thoughts on it, but like, there was a post recently from Neil from like the trick strong, uh, yeah. RX, like, and he had like a challenge that just came out like last week where it was like, do a recovery thing, train uh trick. And it had like a whole list where it was kind of like all of these things in a week, which is like, again, I think all of these things, the components of all of them are all happening, but they're just happening at different levels. Yeah. Uh, yeah with all these different seasons. And I think for people that do coach something like this, I think understanding it for themselves is also a framework that can really help build like a really good coaching program as a whole, even like being able to market it to like kids and parents to be like, Hey look, there's this long-term approach. Like I don't just care about you as an athlete in the next three months. I care about you as an athlete, every like year down the road kind of thing
1: yeah because you want to help them be the best they can be and also actually last and not have long lasting issues outside of the sport either because th- we've run into that quite a few times like yeah. in gymnastics and in tricking like there's always going to be that person who has like some back issues after they're done or they have knee <laughs> issues or, like me where they have ankle and knee issues because fun but right. I really want to try to take this and like really break it down because like it it is a way that I need to, I feel like start coaching myself and really take a different look at how I'm doing things. Because I do think I try to condense it too much. So I'm like, oh, I think they could do this or I think I can get there, but I'm not giving it the amount of time it needs. I I think,
0: I think it's legit for like the actually competitive girls, but then when it comes down to the people who are like, they're paying six weeks at a time, you kind of have to do the four seasons within six weeks because you don't know if they're going to be there, you know, the whole time. (laughs) So, (laughs) so it is
2: treating that like rec type athlete versus a traditional athlete. Like again, a tricker, we want to trick all the time. So there's a different balance there than with someone that maybe just does the sport here and there for fun. Yeah. It's just, you know, maybe they can handle it differently because they're not pushing at such a high level. It's more just a fun thing for them.
1: Sure, right. And that's that's why I'm kind of liking this breakdown because this actually like really helps me get that different framework because then I can also use it myself anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just messaging Chris yesterday and I was just trying stuff. I'm, I really don't feel bad today, which was surprising because it didn't take me long to warm up. I was still getting some good reps and then doing stuff. And I was like, huh, I don't feel like I hurt so like maybe hey that's
0: exactly how what did you You that's exactly how you tore your calf though yeah so <laughs> so yeah. maybe you need to do these um uh, before this closes out did you uh did you want to add anything maybe a conclusion or plug your book of course plug your site yeah,
2: so so the main thing i want to say is like the big thing with this and like the big thing with most people is like you have to let go of the short-term mindset and not fear that getting everything done now is going to slow your progress down. Nothing's going to slow your progress down more than having to take off three to six months for an injury. Um, I know I'm like salty looking back. Like I've had a lot of injuries that have hindered my tricking progress. And like, I accept that cause that's just life and I still trick for fun, but being able to help people avoid that is huge. And that's really the fundamental purpose behind this. And this does plug into a book. I am shooting to try to release this by the end of the year. So like maybe Ooh. around Christmas time. I don't have a title for it yet, but something like seasonal tricking, like helping the the older tricker, helping the aging tricker, the adult tricker. Um, it is gonna be like a full fledged book, all this in depth programs you can follow for the workouts. I might even do like a whole video series for people that they can also follow along the workouts and stretching routine and like some tricking advice. Um, but hopefully that's kind of gonna be the end product towards the end of the year. Exciting.
1: Awesome.
0: And then what's the name of the Facebook group again? Uh we'll so the, we'll put a link in as well. Yeah,
2: so the Facebook group is just called Nutrition for Trickers. Uh there's a free form on there now where I'm allowing people to submit stuff and I'm basically helping them with the recover phase initially for right now for completely free.
1: Perfect. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for Don't forget to follow us on the underscore flip underscore side underscore podcast on Instagram.
0: And C-H-R-I-S-P-Y underscore T-R-I-X, that's Crispy Tricks on Instagram. And I also have another YouTube channel, Tricks Fix, T-R-I-X, space F-I-X, for more tutorials and other things.
1: And we'll see you guys next time.